Welcome to She Inspires Me. I'm your host, Caroline Bruni, founder of She Inspires Me and Organize Curate Design. Launched as a Facebook passion project back in 2017, She Inspires Me was reborn as a podcast in 2020 to highlight the incredible women we all encounter in our everyday lives. Thanks to our key sponsor, Organize Curate Design, I welcome you to season two, another year of sharing the stories of inspirational women. Welcome to another episode of She Inspires Me. Today I have with me Dr. Jody Richardson, who I have known now for a few years, but it is such a pleasure to have you on the podcast, Jody. Thank you for having me, Caroline. <laughs> Now, I'm going to jump in and share a little bit about you with our listeners. So, Dr. Jodie Richardson is a professional speaker, author, and wellbeing educator who specializes in helping people dial down anxiety and move forward to do everything that's important to them. The best, a best-selling author, Jodie co-wrote Anxious Kids and recently released her new book, Anxious Mums. Through a professional, uh, sorry, through a personal diagnosis, Jody understands the experience of anxiety from a uh, from a very young age. Anxious Kids is the book she wished her parents and teachers had when she was an anxious child, and Anxious Mums shines a light on the challenges of anxiety and parenting. Both are filled with practical, effective strategies. Jodie combines nine years of university studying with studying with more than 20 years of professional work in education, clinical practice and elite sport. Through this and her lived experience, she has seen it all, heard it all, felt it all and flourished through it all. Her sincere ambition is to assist others to flourish too. Oh, I almost get goosebumps hearing that. There is so much in that that as a mother as someone who used to be a child, <laughs> so, <laughs> we were just talking um, before we started recording about being mothers and our children going back to school and there's so much there. Wow, Jody, it is such a pleasure to be chatting to you today. Thank you. Um, mental health, we've, we've heard a lot in general prior to 2020, but definitely in the last few years, we have heard uh, about mental health and the focus of it in our society. Can you just talk us through and share a little bit more with us about your personal journey? We've, we've touched on that really briefly, but tell us your version of the story. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, absolutely COVID has been a challenge uh, unlike any other we've ever been faced with in terms of mental health. And so uh, it, it's an ongoing challenge for lots of people. But, you know, for, for many like me, it's been something that people have dealt with since childhood and uh, it's really interesting sometimes when I speak to groups of parents to educate them about uh, their their own children and supporting their own children um, sometimes people will come up to me at the end and say to me oh my gosh you've just talked about me this is me I'm anxious and mm -hmm. I, I never really identified it so yeah. Um, yeah so I can look back now and see that my first experience of anxiety was when I was four and oh, wow. It's so young and it was my first year of school, it was prep, and I was in a double class, so two teachers and 53 preps. And, yes, my that goodness. look on your face is all. Preps is like, that's a lot of preppies. <laughs> that's a lot of preps. Um, and, you know, my, whilst I was, you know, was raised by, you know, my, my 
parents. My mum was really, uh, really anxious and uh, dad was dad was pretty chill, but mum was the one who was around most of the time. And whilst I did have that experience of seeing her anxious at home, obviously not understanding it, it was a mm-hmm. relatively peaceful home. And uh, coming to this classroom with 53 preps, there was a lot of yelling and there was a lot of tension. There was a lot of stress. And, you know, as a former teacher myself, I can understand that now. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. You know, for me, a sensitive little kid with a genetic sort of, you know, programming for anxiety, it kind of flipped all the switches for me and I started to get the physical symptoms, which, which you know, the first one of which was um, a really upset tummy and so I just would do the, the usual, which which is I feel sick and I don't want to go. And mm-hmm. uh, that's my first experience of anxiety and, of course, thankfully I kept going. Mum sent me every day because I didn't look sick and, uh, you know, I didn't have a fever. And so, um, yeah, that was my first, you know, I look back now and I can see that all of the worries that I had, the, you know, the difficulty breathing, getting a, a really lovely, deep, full breath and mm. feeling relaxed and calm and, you know, that that was not my life when I was a child. And uh, I still have an anxiety disorder. It's just, you know, I, I like to say now I thrive with anxiety. I still get anxious. Mm. Um, yeah. It's not about getting rid of it. It's about learning to manage it and, uh, you know, that's sort of the the philosophy that I live and work by now. Yeah. There's so much in what you just shared with us. So we, be it if you uh, know that you have anxiety or have been diagnosed or, or whatever else or if you have just experienced, and correct me if I'm not using the right language, an anxious feeling where your tummy does kind of turn to water or whatever it is, most people can relate to that moment. But in a lot of cases, it is a moment and it doesn't continue the next day and the next day and the next day, which even at four, you experience shifting from being at home, which most preppies have maybe been in childcare or been somewhere, but they've been in a smaller environment and then they're thrown into the the mix of a primary school and large classes. And and then in addition to that, um, back when you were four, like I'm thinking even back when, when I was in school or whatever, like, kids did not talk about their anxiety. And if I had gone to my parents at four or five and said, hey, I think I'm a little anxious. I wouldn't have even had the language. Um, no. When I think if to my children now, um, I think they would have that language because it's a really, it's a lot more common to hear broader language in regards to mental health and and our emotions and and the combination of all of those things. So, wow. Um, thank you for sharing that. It's it's um, it's a real pleasure to hear the vulnerability and just sharing. A story from your childhood and and then kind of where you are today and even how you've reframed your anxiety to know that you can flourish with it um, whilst using all the tools that you obviously share with others. So as we move further and and I I try not to talk about COVID, but the reality is it's just like it's everywhere. Like we can't, we, <laughs> it's part of our day to day language now. Um, as we enter further into 2021 and, and we're seeing lots of the, I think we're, it's still early days, so I don't think we're seeing all of the um, symptoms of our COVID world because we're not even in a post, really in a post-COVID world. We are sort of in Australia here. Um, what do you believe are the most common challenges 
that people have when it comes to seeking support for their mental health, um, be it because of what they've experienced in 2020 or maybe thinking back to a moment in their childhood, in their working environment, whatever else, um, what seems to be the things that are really challenging people in this space? Mm. For some people, uh, there's a, a sense of sort of self-efficacy that, oh, I can cope with this, I, I'm okay with this, uh, I can deal with it, you know, and I can just keep going. <laughs> and and perhaps for some of those people, they know that, that the help is there and they understand that that's available for them. But for others, there's, you know, in, in terms of mental health literacy, we have come such a long way. And I I worked for Beyond Blue uh, in the late 1990s, gosh, which seems like a lifetime ago. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. And, uh, you know, Beyond Blue really did help with that that vernacular of anxiety and depression and, and us understanding, you know, as a, as a sort of a country, more about mental health. And that, that was sort of, you know, over 20 years ago now, oh, gosh, mm. a long time ago. Um, and so... You know, when it comes to seeking help, certainly I think people, most people know that there's help available, but for some it's, I, I think I'm okay, I'm just going to keep pushing. For others it might be, well, I don't I don't think I'm at the point where I need it. Uh, mm. You know, I might, oh, I'm not as bad as somebody else I know and therefore who am I to seek it. For others it's, it's a stigma and it's an embarrassment and there's a trust factor as to, you know, will my workplace find out about it? You know, a lot of people I've spoken to have been, really concerned about getting a mental health care plan for fear that it will impact on their professional life, whereas mm. their workplace only knows about it if you tell them. Uh, yeah. your work, you know, we, yeah. we have to tell our workplaces, I am my own workplace, so I know mm. all about yeah. my own problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, so, so, you know, it's that confidentiality and that trust. And, and you know, unfortunately for some people there's a, a hopelessness that, well, nobody can help me. Um, mm. And, you know, whereas I really like to say to all of that, that, gosh, that the help that is available is absolutely extraordinary. There's mm. so much free help. Cost can be a barrier. Uh, there is a lot of, um, yeah, amazing free help online, uh, great uh, online support through Lifeline, through Beyond Blue, through the Black Dog Institute. Uh, you know, there's even for, for parents listening, you know, if you're struggling and you know, you, you want to talk to parent line in your state here in Australia. It's, you know, we've got really great people ready at the end of the phone to listen. Um, but, yeah, unfortunately, you know, there, there are a lot of people who don't seek help and the ones that do wait often, you know, such a long time. The average, the average time in our country between the first symptoms of anxiety and help seeking is still eight years. Wow. It's, Yeah. And given that half of all mental illness comes on by about the, t the age of 14, that means there's also a lot of kids who are in need of extra help who aren't maybe getting it. So I say just go to the GP, just go to the GP, make that appointment, start a conversation, and the GP will guide you from there. It's a really, yeah. really great question. Thanks for raising it because, um, you know, if some of those barriers sort of ring true for some people, they might go, oh, I didn't actually recognise that that was a barrier for me, but now I do, and now I can actually step forward and and uh, seek some help. So, yeah, and I think that's really what that often comes down to: seeking help in whatever area. Um, 
you and I, um, you you and I know each other for have known each other for a little while now, and you know the kind of help that I provide to my clients in in yes. in my business, and and often it's recognizing what's stopping you from picking up the phone and and calling on a service like mine, and th- then unpacking what you actually need, and sometimes you don't know what you need, and even and especially in the case of mental health, the range of support and the range of um avenues to get to the next step because it's it is from what I personally know it is a journey it's not a quick fix you don't take a magic formula or see this one person or have this one discussion and then know that oh by next Friday anxiety won't be a thing for me or whatever it doesn't work like that <laughs> no <laughs> it'd be great if we could just wash our hands of the these sorts of things but the reality is it's it's a step-by-step process from my understanding and that, as I said it's it's my own personal experience but um and it's okay what do I need at this step and then who can support me or what um, services can support me, and then what is the next step, and then and the next step. But mm. the first thing is um, looking at what that first barrier is, and once you identify it, it's much easier to manage it and and put and work past that first barrier. So it is. I think it, even just the highlighting those are, are really helpful. Yes, and I just want to actually yeah just add add to that that you know when, when we first met, I. I was overwhelmed. The first book had just been released and uh, you, you'll remember I had a, you know, family calendar on the fridge and I had a, you know, written diary and then I had a work calendar and, you know, I had so many balls in the air and uh, so much travel, you know, coming up and lots of media and promotion and everything and, and I was overwhelmed and I was stressed and I reached out to you because I that that was another really practical way I had the need I had the help I needed with my mental health to a certain extent in terms of my I like to call them my a-team you know my my doctor and definitely uh yeah absolutely so you know psychologist uh you know is often part of that that team as well but you know seeking help from you like I, I just have everything in the one place now and I often even 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 though you know I we we don't catch up as often now I often think about you whenever I'm using my electronic calendar and how organized and amazing it is and I said to my son when he's starting high school do you want a written diary or can I just show you how to set up this online calendar it's <laughs> yeah, amazing <laughs> it oh what a breeze it's amazing and, and it really and you know we the, the time we had together that it made such an impact on just me feeling more organized and more in control less overwhelmed and that made a difference too so I just wanted to add that because I don't know that I've probably ever really expressed that to you oh thank you no mm. I appreciate that and um, yeah, I think sometimes we don't know what our triggers are as well. So we could have something that's underlying and we think that that's, we think it's been caused by this, but the straw that breaks the camel's back is often not, not the problem. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, I have cried many a time because there's too much laundry because it's been the thing that's tipped me over the edge. And laundry is not the issue, um, <laughs> but there are ways of reducing all those triggers um, and things that tip us over the edge and the straws that break our backs sometimes. Yes, um, definitely. And, yeah. Um, one thing that I think is a really interesting topic when it comes to talking about mental health is the word happiness. Now, I love the word happiness and I think I personally 
strive for it at different points in the sense that I don't think it's similar to what I was explaining just earlier in, in the sense of a journey of positive mental health um, and it being a journey, not a one-stop shop. I feel like happiness is a little bit the same in the sense that it would be exhausting if I was happy all the, all the time. But I know a lot of people out there are striving for a sense of happiness. Is there is there something we can be thinking about or techniques we can be putting in place so we can have more of that, more of those feelings? Yeah, it's it's funny. It's it's a counterintuitive answer that I'm going to give you, but you know the thing that really you know, and I've I've studied the science of happiness and uh, positive psychology, and you know. I know your listeners can't see, but behind me is just a part of my professional bookshelf that is, yes, yep. it is in very rainbow colour. Rainbow colour. It's rainbow <laughs> ordered. It's very beautiful. <laughs> I like a bit of the home edit. Um, yes. That's about the neatest part of the house. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I I, um, I feel very strongly about happiness, but what, I, what I've learned, what I've really learned, and one of the greatest gifts that I've learned is that the recognition that it, it, it is a myth, like, like exactly what you said, it's a myth about being happy all the time and and if we can adopt that point of view it just takes so much pressure off us to start with and our kids as well and you know I, I remember a um a funny little lesson in the supermarket my daughter McKinley she found five cents on the supermarket floor this is pre-COVID so I let her pick up <laughs> and you know Hunter her older brother said well McKinley money won't make you happy <laughs> so I was trying oh, I've been trying to embed I've been trying to embed some really lovely, you know, um, philosophies into the kids over many, many years. And yes, money makes us happy, but only to a certain point when most of our needs are met. After which, uh, you know, it's a it's a it's a very flat curve in terms of um, you know more money equals more happiness. But the thing is, you know, when I'm having a, a difficult day, I acknowledge that I'm having a difficult day. Or, in fact, we we say that. See, I've just used that language, but it's usually a dif- difficult period in a day you know it yes. might be you know a tough morning um you know like if 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 one of the kids has forgotten to take something to school and I've organized a podcast or you know or, or a you know I have a, a meeting or something and then I've got to get back and drop something at the school or organize with the school to feed them at lunchtime or something then you know oh, I can be so frustrated and I can feel frustrated and not but then I can go, right, well, I feel frustrated at the moment. That's okay. And and that's the language that I, I use and that's okay. And, you know, at times because I, I have experienced depression um, as well and that was really, that was 20 years after my, that was when I was 24. So I'd had anxiety for 20 years and didn't know and ended up experiencing depression. And one of the greatest things my amazing psychologist said to me was, it's actually okay to feel depressed. It's you could just say, I'm feeling depressed at the moment. But what I also love to say to people, and this is how I, I live and, and parent as well, is that we we don't have to be uh, beholden to how we feel in terms of our behaviour. So you can feel anxious and not want to do anything. You, you might just want to Netflix binge all day. But, in fact, what brings us a lot of happiness is working, you know, and taking steps towards, you know, what really brings us a sense of purpose and so it's okay to feel depressed and to sit and relax and experience the feeling, you know, for a while. But then the greatest antidote, if I can use that word, you know, in a 
in a flippant way, not that there is an antidote, you know, and that doesn't happen this quickly, but is to actually, you know, go do the things that you would normally do even and and if you have to feel depressed while you're doing them, that's okay. And the what the experience of it is that it lifts sooner because we're not if a person is depressed or anxious, it's not twenty four seven. And so, you know the you know that to sum up, I'd say remember that you don't need to be happy all the time. It's actually a myth. Nobody is, and it's the battle to fix things and make our kids feel better and make ourselves feel better. That's such a an exhausting you know waste of energy. It's okay to actually feel how we feel, but still do what matters. Um, mm. So yeah, that's you know on on top of that, I'm I love exercise and. I'm a, I'm a really happy person. I'm generally like, you know, like you, I think when we met, I was pretty overwhelmed, but generally I'm very happy. I do a lot of exercise and it's profound for the impact that has on my mental health and well-being. And I love people and really the people in our lives are the ones that bring us the most happiness. So I have lots of beautiful friends and I stay in touch with family and friends and, uh, you know, that makes a really big difference as well so you know that that's how I feel about happiness and that was not in a nutshell I'm sorry <laughs> no and it doesn't have to be so that's completely fine and I and I think even in what you said about being in the emotion and just living through or the moment um but I love the fact that you identify for people that it is a moment it may be a moment that lasts for an hour but it's still a moment um yeah, I, it rings true to something that I say to my family quite often. It's mainly my youngest, um, where he'll say, "Oh, I had such a bad day," and I'm like, oh. "I'll either say it's a bad day, not a bad life," if he's talking in the context of a day, but I'll often say, "Well, what was it about today?" And then we'll talk about the moment, and I'll say, "So tell me what happened after, and tell me what happened at three o'clock, and tell me what happened at now we're having dinner, like." what do you think about dinner? And he'll then kind of look at the span of his day and go, oh, yeah, I get what you're trying to say there. So, um, yeah. And sometimes, as you said, when we can focus on all of the things and that's where gratitude obviously comes in, we know that gratitude can play such a big part of that um, and knowing and looking around us and, and seeing all of, all of the people and the, the beautiful things, be it our home or um, the meal we're sharing or whatever it is, um, can make the world of difference as well. So thank you for that. It can. I'm just going to add in in, uh, in lockdown, I bought a big canvas and it was our gratitude board. And so right. Oh, wow. Yeah. We've got a big thing of like coloured Sharpies and um, Mm. even now McKinley's when, they, when her friends come over, they all write it. It's actually, I re- actually really need to replace it and I'll just keep it going because yes. we just had this board that we would write on because that was what helped us sort of through lockdown to go, what have we got to be thankful for so much? Um, mm. Yeah, so I'm glad you brought up gratitude. A huge, it's, it's, it's a simple thing to be able to do. It's just about remembering it, making it a habit, but very, very powerful. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it can just become something really simple that you do with your family. Like I love that example um, because that's something that you can keep and reflect on as well. And and sometimes when you look back on something you might have been grateful for six months ago or whatever, 
if it's something that's still in your life, you can go, oh, that's right. I still have that moment or I still do that thing or I'm still friends with that person or or whatever else. And it re it almost just reinstates the feeling and the emotion at the, that you felt at the time when you wrote it down. So Yes. Yes. Yeah, that is amazing. Yes. So writing. You've done a lot of writing. I think you were just finishing your book or it had just been sent to the publishers when we last met or last saw each other in person Um, and you are now the successful author of two books, which to me is mind-blowing because that is on the list of things to do for me one day. Um, But tell us about the books and resources that you have published um, and co-authored and and what are they about? You, you said that some of them are from your own experience? Yeah, so the first one is called Anxious Kids and uh, how children can turn their anxiety into resilience. And, uh, yeah, def- I co-authored that with Michael Gross and many parents who are listening might be familiar with Michael's amazing work as a parenting author and speaker. And um, we'd started working together, actually. We started working together when I presented to him and his team at one of their business uh, professional development days and then we connected and started working and he took me out for a coffee and he said, what's the dream? And Mm. I said, I want to write the book I wish my parents and my teachers had when I was a kid with anxiety. That is awesome. Yeah, and he said, do you want to do it together? And I was like, hell yes. (laughs) And Um, how great is that because it's it's really scary writing a book by yourself um, to have someone experienced to say I I want to help you get these words out Um, amazing yeah it really was I'm so grateful to Michael he's been such an amazing mentor and um yeah and so but you know and and it was it was good because he could help me navigate you know our amazing publisher at Penguin Random House in Sydney um Michael and I did a lot of publicity uh for the book and we were on uh, one of the morning shows uh, yeah, I remember seeing that. Georgie Gardner, oh, Channel 9 it must have been. And um, anyway, so we'd, we'd flown into Sydney for that and so we got to go and meet meet Sophie and it was just amazing and we, we hit it off straight away and she just felt so passionate too about the messages that we wanted to share. So, yeah, so we uh, we sort of brainstormed and, you know, worked out exactly what we wanted to do and then how we are going to sort of split it up. And then the toughest part really was, uh, getting the tone of voice similar across the whole book because you've got mm. two people writing uh, with different writing styles. We all have our own unique sort of voice when we write and so um, amazing editors help with that. And that that the, the success of that book and the impact that that is having is just like I just I, I get actually a bit teary thinking about it mm. because um, like it's, it's, it's sold – and gone to so many, the hands of so many parents and teachers, and it's so far eight international translations. Um, wow! Yeah, which that is, is just incredible, just astonishing, and it just you know I think for me just that anxious kid that I didn't get it, no one got it, and for parents to have this this resource that's practical and effective, and you know, and then. It's funny. Yesterday, you'll you'll growl at me, but I'd I'd let my you probably won't. But my inbox was up to like six hundred in my. It was just all these unread emails. Nothing that needed. I will not growl at you. Not formally (laughs) on the podcast. We might have a chat after. (laughs) Yesterday, I dedicated my whole day to going through my unread emails, and Mm. in the end, I just marked them all as unread because I'd got so far in. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because forget it, they were years old. But I'd set 
I'd taken screenshots of lots of lovely things people have said about the books and I'd emailed them to myself and never. And so yesterday I was going through and. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I'm going to actually, I think I'm actually going to print them and put them up, um, mm. you know, just as a reminder, because when the way I work, I just always feel like I'm just in service of people and that my my trials and tribulations of my own life, you know, having experienced anxiety my whole life, that the good that I can do from sharing what I know professionally but personally comes from just always remembering that there are parents and people out there who could really benefit from what I've learned. And um, hearing those lovely, you know, reading those over again was fantastic. And um, the second book is Anxious Mums, How Mums Can Turn Their Anxiety Into Strength. And uh, that came about quite, it's quite serendipitous how that came about. Um, I was doing a presentation for a local one, actually, and it was a mate of mine from high school. He leads up the well-being of a local team of female footballers. And it was one of those windy, wet, cold nights where I'd regretted curling my hair and planning to wear white jeans. (laughs) (laughs) And it was one of those nights where you're just like, oh, my gosh, like, Hmm. oh, I could stay home. But, of course, you know, I love love getting out there and, of course, speaking. And um, one of the women in the audience that I was speaking to, these um, under-18 female footballers, happened to be a close colleague of my publisher in Sydney. She's actually Mm -hmm. the Melbourne version of Sophie in Sydney. And okay, wow. Yeah, she um she said to me afterwards, because I shared when I talked to the girls, because I have a background in uh in sports science and elite sport, I it was a great opportunity to talk to the athletes about anxiety, about performance. Uh and it was really just a meld of some of my personal experiences with mental health, uh, you know, really some great mental health literacy and some great sort of performance, uh, you know, advice for them as well. And um, at the end of it all, Ali said that it was life-changing for her to hear me share my story and she said, you've got to write a book for mums. And she emailed my publisher who straight away said to me, of course she does, but amazing. Yes, please. So um, Anxious Mums is very personal. It was really hard to write some sections but... Um, I, I'm so proud of it because I know that what I've been through and, and I've shared, I've shared, you know, one of the things that was really difficult to share was the scary thoughts that I had when my babe, my first, our firstborn was a baby. And in researching the book at the time, I found out that is so common, but nobody talks about it. Um, mm-hmm. OCD, you know, I was using nipple shields and I became quite OCD about, you know, and sorry, I've just realised the link, but no. I, I did genuinely, I genuinely was experiencing obsessive compulsions about disorder, yeah. cleanliness and uh, hygiene, and uh, mm. and that's that skyrockets in terms of uh, risk. Uh, you know, after, With new after birth, yes, yeah, yeah right. enormously. Wow. So, um, I've shared things that are very personal, but I've done so with a lens of. I'm hoping other mums read it and go, oh, my gosh, I thought it was just me. And mm. um, the, the most common feedback I get about the book is, are you in my head? <laughs> and so, yeah. Uh, well, that is incredible. Uh, before I talk about mums because I, we just you just shared so much and I 
even just acknowledging the fact that as I read your intro, I got goosebumps because I know how important that message and the vulnerability of sharing our stories and and um, it's really the purpose of this podcast. It's it's to put lots of female voices out into the world and if one person hears something you say, a snippet of something, um, something they've heard on another episode and it makes a difference in their day, let alone the rest of their life, that to me is done and dusted. That was the whole purpose of, of why... Um, this exists and to hear one how successful like it, it fills me with so much joy to hear how successful the first book was and is um but then to know the impact of that um parenting is such hard work um and being you're constantly guessing and second guessing and checking in and comparing and thinking you're doing it all wrong and then you have a one moment and you're like I'm nailing this and then your kid changes and then it's like oh my goodness and I'm failing it's, so, <laughs> it's so rewarding and then to think that the flip side of that as a parent is there's a child who could be experiencing anxiety or a range of other things because we've only ta- like we're touching on one particular topic at the moment. Um, you know, my eldest son is on the spectrum. That's a whole nother ball game, um, and that that comes with a whole nother set of parenting skills. Um, and then sometimes you have to combine all of them. Um, but to know that there, um, one, if there are parents or mothers out there listening and they're kind of not really sure um now you have not only one but two resources that you can tap into um so we will make sure that jody's details are all in the show notes um links to the book i know you we can access those um links to the books on your website as well i was having a look at that the other day and um i i've mentioned before my my children are are seven and a half years apart so i have really different kind of what I'm juggling with kids, uh, but I know that some of the parents I know that have the younger kids, um, sometimes even the older kids, teenagers are, are challenging as well, um, could really do with the resource of being able to tap into be it the child's brain or mm. the mother's brain and to not feel alone because we are all in this together and we're all fighting similar battles Um and it just feels so much nicer when you can do it with someone else. Mm. And if that is if that's someone else because it's a book that you're reading and you don't feel alone, then oh, even I get, I'm getting emotional just thinking about that because I, I know how much of a difference that would make to, to so many people. So we will definitely be um, making sure that people are looking at those resources. So thank you for telling us all about them. Sure. Now... Um, so women, like there will be women out there that are listening that have children. I, I know that there are. Um, so is there anything that kind of comes to mind firsthand, especially as we are at the start of the year, a lot of kids have just gone back to school and all of that sort of stuff. Um, is there something that comes to mind or the first thing that comes to mind on the best way of kind of step one of how we can best support our young people? Oh, gosh. Only one. I'm <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> Just narrow it down. Just, just, nice narrow it down. just okay. <laughs> um, now, look. You know, one of the things that one of the things that I strongly recommend for parents is, and it's really hard. It's it's easy to say. It's harder to do. Is building building this tolerance of discomfort in our kids and mm-hmm. learning 
oh, and I, I'm still learning this too. You know, I'm not perfect. But just, just that Can you say that again for me? Um, well, gosh. Building uh, tolerance. Building, yeah, supporting children to build a tolerance of discomfort. And I'll, I'll elaborate. But, but the thing is, it's often our own discomfort of their discomfort that what we want to swoop in and we want to make it all better. But it's not our job. Our job is not to make it better for them as much as we want to. And so um, I know it's, yeah. really, it's really, really hard. It's painful. It is painful. And so when our kids, you know, the, the example that I'll use is if I, Peter, my husband, he, he, I've written about him. Gosh, they put the excerpt about me and Peter in the national newspaper. So he won't mind if I talk about him again. <laughs> you know, when I used to talk to him about, challenges he just wanted to fix it there was just lots of lots of you know problem solving which is you know very men are from mars women are from venus but now now he over time i've i've had i've taught him that i need him just to listen and just you know when when we tell someone what's wrong or something that's wrong the best thing that we want to hear is oh my gosh that must have been so hard oh my god that is terrible i'm so sorry that you've had to go through that Whereas what we generally do as humans is we we want to fix it. It's very, very natural. And we do that to our kids as well. So, you know, we've all got kids starting school. Our son's just started high school and there's lots of new preppies and lots of kids who are back at school in familiar grounds, but still struggling. And, you know, if our kids come home and they they say, look, something really, you know, bad happened today or this happened and you know, the, the first thing that we can do is just really provide some empathy and that's just to say, oh, that must have been really tough. I'm really sorry you've had to go through that. And, you know, then then it's sitting with that discomfort and, you know, helping them work through how they're feeling and that might be just sitting next to each other. Um, you know, sometimes I just sit next to McKinley if she's upset and I'll just sit down and just let her cry and hold her hand and I'm biting my tongue, trying not to say all the reasons why we could prevent it from happening again or, you know, try to fix it. Try to fix it. What, you know, what what went wrong. And so that tolerance of discomfort, because life, you know, you read books like The Road Less Traveled, you know, it's life is difficult, is the first, the first sentence in, in that book. And that's true. There are so many things in life that are challenging. Life is not a smooth road. And if our kids can learn from a young age that they can be uncomfortable, they can experience painful and difficult feelings, but they, they can get through them, then that will set them up very well for the challenges because the challenges become more difficult as we get older. You know, oftentimes the stakes are higher. Um, so, yeah, that's, you know, if, if I could share something with parents, it's something that I've certainly learned to do and I still find myself sometimes falling back in that, Mrs. Hmm. Fix-It mode, but most of the time it's about me tolerating the discomfort I feel when my kids are upset mm-hmm. and them knowing that I can and, and asking them what do they want. Sometimes Hunter will say, I'd really like to be alone, and I'll say, okay, no problem, but then I'll come and check and I've got to remember sometimes to say, okay, if I come and check on you in 20 minutes, I'll just sort of come by and just give them a kiss on the head and check and see how things are going. Um, yeah, so it's uh, it takes a bit of time. But it's a very, very powerful thing to, to to learn to do as a parent. It's a real gift for our kids too. Yeah, and that communication piece as well. So, uh, it's it's one thing to sit 
on your hands and bite your tongue and and do that because that is a part of sitting in the discomfort, being comfortable with being uncomfortable and we know that that's where growth comes, That be it if we're talking about business, if we're talking about living through mental health, trauma, parenting, the works, whatever it is, it's normally being comfortable with being uncomfortable is one of the things we have to work on. Um, But I think the communication that you just touched on is really important as well because it puts the power of um, change and opportunity and processing the moment back in the hands of your child because they know that you've said, hey, if you do want to be alone, that's cool. Is it okay if I? So it puts all of that power back with them. And if they say, no, actually, I really need you to, I'd really love a, a cuddle and I'd really love to sit and watch a movie with you or I'd really love this, and they need that, then that, once again, is something that gives them the power to make a decision about what they need and to know that whatever they need is okay, Um, which I think is also the challenge because we're all individuals, be it if we're children or adults, but we all process differently and we all need different things at different points in time. And what I might need if I'm, if I'd experienced the exact same moment would be very different to my child or someone sitting next to me. And so that in itself is, is um, the communication part that you mentioned of not just checking in, but checking in to check in. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, so many tips, so many things that parents can, and even as we're talking, there's so many things that I'm like, oh, that's such a good refresher or I hadn't thought of that and um, already so helpful. Um, so we are early in 2021. Um, is there a new book? Is there something? Like I'm excited. I just, surely you've got another book in you or what's happening? What are you planning for 2021? <laughs> <laughs> yes, actually, although I think my family would appreciate it if I took a bit of time off writing. <laughs> um, I can imagine it's really intense writing a book and oh, like it takes a lot of time. Yes, um, especially when my, my deadline, first deadline for the manuscript of, of Anxious Mums was the 1st of June and so homeschooling the kids and trying to meet a deadline and it was my first manuscript was about 80,000 words and I've got about 200 references so it's very um, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it, it was full on. And I'll just add that I, I did, I became so overwhelmed. I actually went and took myself off for a COVID test because I had such a sore throat and my doctor. Oh, and you were just exhausted. I was just exhausted. And he said, you don't have COVID. I'll have to do the test because I have to, because you've got a sore throat. But he said, you don't have COVID. He said, if anything, you'll have strep throat from stress. And I wrote in the back of the book. Have a lie down. (laughs) Yes, yes. Is there anything you can take off your plate right now? I'm like, uh, send the kids back to school and finish the book for me and I'll be okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The irony of writing that book. But it really did, you know, I experienced a lot of anxiety and stress and and so it, it helped me also sort of really tap in to, you know, to exactly, you know, I was writing about it. So, you know, I was feeling it and I was writing about it. But thank goodness, you know, that's that's in the past. But, yeah, definitely another book. I'm not sure what it's going to be yet and I'm I'm constantly thinking, barely a day goes by where I'm not sort of thinking about what it could be. And um, But I'm also um, soon to launch a brand-new beautiful website, which I'm super excited about. Oh, that's so exciting. Oh, and that's, um, that's been the focus of the last part of 2020. 
And uh, also I'm going to be creating an online course for parents of anxious kids, uh, something really practical uh, that's, you know, not 10 weeks long, uh, just some really practical skills and, and also, you know, just to let parents know when they're going through that journey with their children, um, you know, f- to feel really supported, to feel like, gosh, there's a lot of people who've walked this path before me, um, there's a lot of support and and also helping them connect into the uh, external supports that they'll need or possibly need uh, for, th- for their own kids. So I'm excited about getting that That's done. Very exciting. I'm yeah. not surprised but if you had said, oh, I'm just taking the year off, I, I would be like, hmm, are you really? <laughs> <laughs> no, that is fantastic. We will make sure that, um, as I said, your website details and social media handles and, and whatever else and uh, in our show notes. Um, definitely, if there are, is anything that Jody has said today that you've gone, aha, those aha moments, get your hands on a copy of either book, both books, um, if and that being said, I know we're talking parenting and we're, we're talking children and, and whatever else, but I would think that there are elements of what those learnings are that are helpful regardless. So um, definitely start with Jodie's website and there might be some information on there that, that really stands out for you and might just be that one sentence that you needed to read to take the next step. So that's amazing. My last question, my favourite question, um, mm-hmm. who inspires you and why? Oh, gosh. Um, One of the women that inspires me greatly is Karen Young. And Karen Young is a Queensland psychologist who has an amazing website called Hey Sigmund. And Karen's warmth and empathy in the way that she writes and supports families with anxious kids and teachers and she just, the way that, she, she has just a beautiful warmth, empathy and insight in the way she writes. It's really amazing. And Karen and I have connected and, um, you know, she's she's someone that I, I'm really inspired by the work she does and the reach that she has in terms of making a really, uh, you know, meaningful difference in the lives of families uh, where anxiety and depression and other challenges, uh, mm. you know, show up. So Karen, Karen really inspires me um, and so does my gorgeous mum and, you know, my mum is closer to mid-70s than not. Um, mm-hmm. She's an amazing woman and, you know, she's had anxiety all of her life as well and she's been really open to me sharing both of our journeys, my experience as a child of an anxious parent. Um, she she stand-up paddle boards, she goes to the gym, she goes for walks, she's planning on doing the Camino, the Camino trail, um, I think it's called oh, the wow. Camino Trail. In- is that the Spanish one? Yes. Insane? Yes. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and she's just bought a kayak and, yeah, she just stays fit and healthy and, yeah, just quite incredible. She was the eldest of seven and, uh, you know, a bit, bit tough growing up. Um, mm. But, uh, yeah, amazingly strong, inspiring woman, loving woman. So they're two amazing women like that inspire me. rock star. Yes. Like, <laughs> just living her best life. Yeah. Well, and also just knowing what she needs as well, which is, that is incredible. Well, thank you for sharing all of that with us. It is, it is always a pleasure to chat to you, Mm -hmm. but I, I, um, 
I was very excited this morning to obviously get to catch up with you, but to be able to share your story and um, your knowledge with our listeners. So, um, where, as I said, we will make sure that all of the details that we've chatted about, um, even some of the resources that you mentioned earlier in the chat of um, some of the um, organisations that provide free support and online support, we'll make sure that they're listed in our show notes as well, as well as a, um, a link to Karen Young um, if that is somewhere that you're looking at, at diving into and doing a bit more research. We always try to make things as easy as possible for our listeners. Um, but thank you again, Jody. It has been a pleasure. And um, to our listeners, we will speak to you again next week. Thank you for joining us today and for being a part of this incredible community. Remember to hit subscribe, to share this episode with your friends and family, and to join us in our next episode to be inspired by more exceptional women.